You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello and welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie, the younger sister of Scout Sobel, the author. Oh my fucking God. You're an author. I am an author. Oh my God. You wrote a motherfucking book. My lifelong dream. My first dream. My first dream when I was like six or seven. You've known me my whole life. That I have. (laughs) No, no, no. I've known you your whole life. You haven't known me my whole life. Um, Wait, that's so fucking weird. Yeah, you've only known me for For 27 27 years. years. And I've known you for all of your wonderful life. 27 years. Because I remembered when they brought you home. Um, Yes, this has been the first thing that I can remember wanting. Um, This was it, to be an author. And it is here. Ah! I'm a little speechless. I know Mad's kind of prepared for this episode. but um, I'm an A-plus student, so I uh, did my homework. She did her homework. She read the entire book. It's called The Emotional Entrepreneur. I read the entire book. I mean, That's I'm, a given, regardless of if we were going to be talking about it or not. Oh, well, you know, you read it in an accelerated timeline. I did. I did. I don't usually like to do that. I like like maybe, time. maybe you wouldn't have read it this month. Maybe you would have read it next month. But yeah. since we have a podcast. And honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to it because there are so many nuggets of wisdom, so much valuable knowledge. It is, I mean, Ooh, that makes we'll me get so happy. to it. We'll get to it. So we're going to chat all about the book today. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to turn Turn the tables, and you're going to be a guest on OK Says Podcast. Oh, my God. That's really crazy. First, can I say a little bit about what's happening today, where we're at, what, sure. how the sisters uh, wait, can get involved? All, why don't you tell them what the book is okay. called? Okay, yes. 
No, I said it. So the book is called The Emotional Entrepreneur. It is the emotional guidebook to entrepreneurship. Oh, you got that uh, elevator pitch down. I, I, you know what? I'm really fucking good at elevator pitches. Um, so are. the book is comprised of 25 mindset and emotional lessons that can help you pursue the life of your dreams, whether you're starting a podcast, starting an agency, starting an app. Uh, starting a product-based business. Uh, it's basically all of the emotional tools that I learned living with bipolar disorder that have really helped me succeed, or I believe is the reason that I've succeeded in business with Scouts Agency. So that's the book. And as someone who has read it, am I the first person that's read it? I think I'm the first like consumer. I, I've been on a lot of podcasts and they've all read it like two months ago. Oh, but fuck. Okay. You're the first person I think that's read. No, my mother-in-law read the whole thing wow. a few weeks ago. Okay, then I sorry. All right, I'm I'm one of the first, so yeah, one of the first consumers. So it felt like a little, uh, it felt like a little love note to me because it, I w- it felt very personal. Which yes, is nice. and it's very exciting. Jessica Zweig, who was on OKC's podcast, who is a client of mine at Scouts Agency, she wrote the foreword, and the back cover is endorsed by Rebecca Minkoff, Kat Sadler, and Lauren Everts Bostic. I don't know if you know her, Skinny Confidential. She was also on the podcast. I know. And uh, every single lesson has a quote from a past OK Sis guest. Too. I know. Literally everyone you love. J.C. Marie Smith, Trinity from Gold, mm-hmm. Lindsay Carter from Set Active, mm-hmm. Olamade from Topicals. Charlotte McKinney. Oh. Everyone. Everyone. It's really exciting. Shawnee Darden. I mean, just like, <laughs> holy shit. Okay, but before Mads takes over this episode, because I have no idea what she's um, about to say. I mean, I'm sure she'll talk about the fact that the book is dedicated to her. But uh, we are at the Santa Monica proper today. We are recording this the day before which this is, is released. Which is really interesting because um, last week we were talking about our obsession with Kelly Wurstler yes and just like how much we want her to jizz all over our lives okay then not not the not the wording I used okay. but if this ever gets back to Kelly Wurstler I did not say that you said that okay okay yeah I'll take ownership for mm-hmm. that so we are in the temple of Kelly Wurstler right now Yes. We are enveloped in the Kelly Wurstler vibe right now. Because when this comes out, it'll be tonight. I am throwing a book launch party here with a bunch of the women quoted in the book, past OKSIS guests, my friends and family, some really exciting people coming. So sisters, obviously, I want you to be a part of the celebration. It is very surreal, the biggest moment of my life. So if you buy a book before 4.30 Pacific Standard Time today, Monday, August 16th, 2021, and you email a screenshot of your receipt to book at scoutsagency.com, you will be invited to the Emotional Entrepreneur Home on Geneva, and Mads will be live streaming the event at 7 15 p.m for about 30 to 45 minutes you'll hear my speech mads will say hi to some of the OKSIS past guests could yes. do a little interview or something and so um if you want to be involved in the live stream and get access to the emotional entrepreneur geneva home i know you're pretty much all in the most of you are in the geneva community center for OKSIS. Mm-hmm. uh we will email you the link again if you buy the book before 4 30 p.m pacific standard time email your receipt to book at scoutsagency.com you will get the link to join geneva and you can come hang at the live broad the live live stream the live, live stream. stream all this will be in the show notes if you forget yes okay should we do current fixations yes all right what is yours scout my current fixation is my book oh jesus okay come on well. I have been planning this book for a very long time and I have not been able to say too much about it. 
And so, you know, my current fixation is the book, but more specifically, it's the book launch. It's everything around what's happening right now. It's the fact that I'm throwing my dream party at the Santa Monica proper. It's the fact that incredible women are showing up to my event tonight. It's the fact that so many women have rallied behind this book. It's the fact that I've been a guest on 30 podcasts that are being released this week. The movement around the emotional entrepreneur has already started. I can feel it. And I am just so in the thick of it. Yes. That's that is uh, that's also my current fixation. Oh. I will say. Oh my god! First time ever. I know we've never had a same current. Fixation. We've never had a I same mean, current I had fixation. I something else prepared, but honestly, that's that is the current Thank state. You. That's the current state of the union. That is the current mood. We are in the Kelly or survives. We are celebrating to the nth degree. We I are have a spray tan. Like it's just uh, the vibes are unparalleled. Yeah. I look so tan compared to you, which okay. is the first in my entire life. Also, this lighting is terrible where we're in, so I look very white. Well, that's because you are. Okay. okay. Let's get started on talking about the emotional entrepreneur. <laughs> the emotional entrepreneur. <laughs> okay. So first of all, my overall impression of the book was yes, that give it, to me. it was so invaluable. And honestly, I'm not just saying this because you're my sister and I've read a lot of business books. And although they bring up emotional wellness and mental fortitude as being like necessities for business and entrepreneurship, it's never been the foundation of the whole book. So with the uh, emotional entrepreneur, you're arguing that emotions are the nucleus of business Mm -hmm. and then being successful as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to monitor, regulate, and understand your emotions as a result. Um, So it's been really refreshing because I think we are conditioned with this kind of antiquated view of conducting business that emotions should be suppressed or that you should remain stoic and professional in the workplace. And that tends to translate to like a lack of spirit and a lack of self-compassion and understanding of oneself. So... In your book, you turn that narrative on its head and say, you know, actually emotions can be used to our advantage and they can grow our business to new heights of success and make it more enjoyable in the process because you have the tools, again, to regulate and to work with and not against your emotions. That was my largest takeaway. Did I, did I win? Yes, you did win. I I won the book. That is literally the exact point in the book. Yes. And I love that you said that there was no other book that did this. That's what I really felt. So I felt as if that was what I could bring to the table is the emotional part of running your own thing. I know. I think, you know, as I mentioned, people talk about the mental toughness you need, but it's never the most important thing you need. And not even the mental toughness that you need, but I think that you've gone through an emotional journey just to start stuff. Like we need, part of the book also helps you develop the emotional inspiration and resilience to actually start the thing. Right. And to establish your own self-worth that you, that you're tough enough to, to enter into this space for sure. Okay. So first I want to talk about the forward because I have to make everything about me. It's not Um, the forward, Maddie. Jessica wrote the forward. Sorry, 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 sorry. The dedication. Yes. Uh, It is dedicated to me. It is dedicated to Mads. That is, you know, I've never had a book dedicated to me. <laughs> you know what? Most fucking sisters have it. I so, know, so we lovely. filmed her reaction to it because she didn't know that the forward was written. The sorry, sorry. the dedication <laughs> yeah. was written to her, and so it'll probably be on Mads World soon. Oh yeah, this week. Be, yeah, this week. If you're yeah, premium uh, content for I, I'm providing premium fucking content for Mads World. Oh yeah, this whole Mads World week will be about the book. So. Yes. 
Um, yeah, so it was dedicated to me and my entrepreneurial journey with Camber. And, you know, I'm done with week two of Camber. Mm-hmm. And I already felt myself coming back to certain lessons and learnings from the book and just kind of reminding myself about little phrases and words you said that really impacted me. So I, I do think that this book is going to be an incredible I don't want to say guide. I guess that is a good word, but something that you'll always come back to. It feels mm-hmm. like more than just a beautiful story. It is something where it is really tangible steps that people can bring into their life. Yes, and I wrote it that way so you can read it front to cover. I mean, front to back, whatever. You can read it the whole way through. <laughs> front to cover. But then once you're done reading it, if you need you know, help in the anxiety department, if you need help believing in yourself, if you need help dealing with financial uncertainty, you can just go to that specific lesson and then re-get that support. Exactly. All right, so I grouped the book. I, I found that there were three major themes, if you will. And we're going to talk through each one of them. Are you okay with that? Wow, this is crazy. I've never had someone analyze my book. Oh, yeah. The analysis, the data analysis was real. Um, I really, I did analyze it. So, number one, reframing your relationship to fear and discomfort. This comes up a lot in the book. Um, I want to put some quotes. Mm Mm-hmm. You say, I found that entrepreneurship was the biggest self-personal development game one could play. It will highlight your shadows, your weaknesses, and your deepest insecurities while simultaneously putting your strengths, your vision, and your zone of genius on full display. So really capturing the essence that with entrepreneurship, it is inevitable that fear and discomfort and challenge and struggle will come and uncertainty will come. You know, there's one part in the book that really... Shifted my whole perspective of this is that anxiety and uncertainty, when it comes to you as an entrepreneur, that is like your token. That's like your knighting into entrepreneurship. It's your gateway ticket, if you will. And something actually happened to me uh, last week with Camber. We released our beta app to the public and a little hiccups happened. Uh, the app basically didn't work and didn't function and that was fabulous and that was obviously of a course it didn't of course, of course it didn't work. so it was being really really slow I was getting very frustrated and be- I went to Ben and I was like holy shit what do we do like and I was kind of getting you know a little flustered and Ben looked at me and said this is entrepreneurship mm-hmm. like you're doing it and he was like so excited he's like this is your first big struggle like it was mm-hmm. like an excitement so well first of all Ben wow the emotional entrepreneur. Ben, yeah, seriously. Good job. That was a great, that's, that's a very me answer. A very you answer. So, and you say this exactly about, um, that thinking of uncertainty as the ticket. If you reframe your relationship to uncertainty as the visitor that knights you as the emotional entrepreneur, you won't act out of complete fear when it knocks on your door. You will smile and say, I knew you would come and then move on knowing that you are officially an entrepreneur. So that's something I really, really, uh, sorry, that really, really resonated with me. Um, something reframing it to be like wow I get to experience this challenge I get to do this Mm -hmm. rather than holy shit why is this happening to me this sucks yes and if you use that exact principle for your entire life your whole world will change Mm -hmm. every time something happens where you want to say this sucks why me reframe it and say I get to walk through this challenge Another big tenant of this theme was fuck fear. So you say a lot that we should fuck fear, 
accept the discomfort and really lean in, lean, lean into it because that is where we grow. That is where the success actually blooms from and stems from is when we step up to fear and give them the big middle finger. Yeah. You know, th- sorry, this is, um, this is very weird for me. And I, uh, told myself that I was going to have to work on receiving because I think that I stand in my personal power on this podcast a lot, but, um, I'm a little, I'm a little shy right now, to be honest. Why? Cause it's, you're talking about my book. It's weird. It's I know it's so weird. Anyways. Um, you know, I was driving up today and was realizing how uncomfortable I am in my life, how I'm just fucking constantly in discomfort and I'm just so grateful that the discomfort that I experienced today is because I've decided to say fuck fear and it's not because I'm depressed and regressing and not knowing how to live my life and regretting certain situations I have literally made a contract for my life that I will continue to chase the discomfort because it is in that discomfort that beautiful things happen there is nothing spectacular that you will ever achieve in your life that does not start with you saying, fuck you to fear, I'm going to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of that first step that I think people get stuck in. And if you can move through and accept the discomfort and really learn to find a lot of beauty in the discomfort, a lot of holiness in the discomfort, that's when things start to really move. Exactly. Something else that you bring up a lot is that you actually don't really have the word failure in your vocabulary. You consider it... A lesson. Mm-hmm. So whenever you take a risk, at the other end of it, it could either be a success or a lesson rather than I think a lot of people will think, shit, if I risk this, there's a fear of failure. There's there's failure at the end of this. But if you kind of pivot your understanding of what failure means and that you can actually elicit some incredible learning opportunities from it turns into something something completely different and you you bring up a very uh i didn't uh consent to this <laughs> to this uh anecdote in the book but yep, you sorry you brought it in there um so you talked about our virtual show mm-hmm. and how when we announced the virtual show we didn't get the type of numbers that we were hoping for or that we had thought would uh would come in and I really was not standing in my worth. I did not exhibit these type of this type of mentality. I know it drove me crazy that week. Yeah, I know. And I was ready to give up, to cancel the event, and it was a real shame. Like honestly, I I don't feel proud of that moment. I feel really, you know, It's okay. You were you were in a lot of discomfort. Right. And so I kind of did the route that most people do where I mm-hmm. wanted to abandon ship and be like, this is so embarrassing. No one's going to show up. This it w- like, was this wrong? Whereas your first intonation was, or your first thought was, okay, one, how do we, how do we drive traffic? How do we get the, how do we get the numbers? We can do this. Like let's spawn, you know, just what's the plan? What's the strategy? But then also, okay, so now we know that people are fatigued from zoom calls over, you know, and they're, they are not willing, our audience is not willing to pay for them. And, you thought of it in terms of like, okay, great. We tried this. Our audience is not willing to pay for something like this. We do know that they're willing to pay for merch. That We do know they're willing to pay for other types of experiences with us. Um, but this one was just not it. And I did not have that mentality, and you did. And that just is such a testament to uh, your relationship to, quote, unquote, failure. 
Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Okay, sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? 
Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. Ugh, thinning hair just isn't the vibe. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Amen. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth just doesn't cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow through different stages, such as postpartum, like me. After I gave birth, I noticed that around the crown of my head, my hair was shedding. I've been taking Nutrafol for almost three months at this point, and I am not kidding you when my husband, my friends, my family have been commenting on how long, strong, and healthy my hair has been looking lately. I mean, sisters, if you've been watching OK Sister on YouTube, you've seen my hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. I mean, 86% is a lot of women. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code OKSIS. Yeah, so it's just, for me, it's always like a, a market test, I suppose, but... Um, you also didn't end with the fact that we sold a bunch of tickets at the end and had a really, really great event, which I tell the whole, the story there. But I think that if you look back on my life, Mads, I think that there was a time before starting OKSIS where I'm sure you or my family or my friends maybe had the narrative that I had failed Mm -hmm. a couple times. Um, I had done a bunch of different projects. I had started different businesses. I was just hopping from thing to thing. And I always knew that you guys kind of viewed it as a failure, even though you might not have said that word out loud to one another. Maybe you did. I'm not sure. I literally never viewed it that way. I never have. I've never viewed anything that didn't quote unquote didn't work out as a failure because it always tumbleweeded into the next thing. And I can now stand and look back and see how everything was connected. Like, I started Scout's agency and I help women launch their books. I now have an agency at my disposal to launch this book. It's my agency. I created the agency to now support my next my next dream of being an author. And so it's just I see it all as super fluid and all kind of building on one another. And I think the quick response of others is if something doesn't work out, it's a failure. And it's just not true. And so I am lucky and I feel really grateful that I've never internalized that message and I've never felt that message at any point in my life. Even when I dropped out of college, I didn't feel like a failure. I just felt as if my life was being pulled in different directions. Yeah. And that's a really beautiful mindset to adopt. I think that's definitely something. And you you, you mentioned this in the book as well, having a growth mindset around failure. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking about this really interesting today is that I've had a really tough week 
leading up to book launch. I have cried more times. I drove up here and I was bawling hysterically. I cried so much and have been so nervous and have had so much energy in myself because, and I don't know how else to say it other than I'm not once in my mind has it gone through, will this book be a failure? Will I embarrass myself? Will the book sales not be there? Will all of the money that I've invested, which I have never invested this much in my entire life, will it not work? I have never been afraid of that this week. This week, I'm afraid of the success. What, what, not what if it's a success, when this is a success next week, my life is going to change and I have to assume a new level of leadership, of showing up. I have put something out into the world and now I have to live up to that and continue to be a role model when it comes to emotional entrepreneurship. And I have been very, very scared of that assignment and what I've done. And so now there's no inkling of fear of failure because even if I don't, I have, I literally don't even have a goal of how many books I want to sell because I don't even care how many books I sell because whatever happens this week is exactly what's supposed to happen for this book. Now it's a fear of success. And I don't think people talk about that. Oh, the fear of success is difficult because in your body, it feels like the feel of failure. You have anxiety. Your chest is constricting. You want to back out. Maybe I shouldn't do this. But it's like. But it's something you want. Yeah, (laughs) it's like a positive, but it's still anxiety inducing. It's still still scary. It's still really scary. It's really scary. So, yeah, there's fear. That's that's what I'm saying. Like discomfort never fucking ends. The fear never ends. You might as well, which is the pain is uh, get an ROI on your pain. It's my favorite chapter. You might as well have all these emotions pushing you towards what you want. want rather. Yeah, exactly. Because it's and I think people place such a high value on the fear of failure that it's that we forget that. No, Sitting be- in, see, even, being comfortable, you're also, even if you're comfortable, you're gonna still experience emotions. Yeah. As yeah. You said. So you might as well experience emotions and then get what you want. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. Okay. Um, one thing I do want to also mention is that you, you say that if someone does not engage in your services or products, it is not a reflection of your self-worth. I think there is definitely mm-hmm. a, an intense tie between self-worth and the, product and thing you are putting out into the world and it equates to that if and I can attest to this uh last week you know we sent out an email 18 people unsubscribed from the email newsletter and I don't know why the fuck I did this but I went to go look who unsubscribed was it people you knew yeah and, oh, and oh, yeah. see you later oh uh, yeah they you they they made it easy for you man you don't oh, even yeah. have to exile them from your life they decided for you oh yeah i yeah, love yeah. it yeah, i yeah. love it they're out they're out wow what a gift and what that- a gift <laughs> that is no i'm serious that's a gift now you know yeah you know who's on your side exactly because when you play big people fucking drop off oh yeah and that yeah you know who you are just kidding you're not listening to this um You're definitely okay. not listening to this anyways so what I'm trying to say is that first uh, pull towards holy shit, self-worth, this is someone, this there. This is an attack on me personally that you mm-hmm. unsubscribe from the Camber newsletter. Uh, but no, that's not what it is. And it's very interesting because this book does feel, you know, very personal. It is uh, a, a self-development. It is something that you have to work at with yourself. But... There is this separation from the worthiness, the self-worthiness and your company. So talk to us about, like, how is it so personal, but then you can Mm -hmm. detach? It's personal because your day-to-day, the living, breathing life force of the business is personal. 
because it's how you spend your days. It's how you spend your hours, your minutes. Before you go to bed, it's probably the thing you're thinking about. The minute you wake up, it's the thing you're thinking about, especially in the beginning of entrepreneurship. It's usually the only thing you can think about. It becomes a little bit of an obsession. And so, you know, Scout's agency and OKSIS podcast is my life in many ways. It's a very, very large portion of my life. And so the health of the business, how I feel inside the business, who I'm working with, the people we're interviewing, our sisterhood, et cetera, all of that is very, very personal. We need to understand that the life of our business is not the one person who negates us, is not the one person who leaves the bad review, is not the one person who doesn't engage in our services. It's not the 18 people that, that unsubscribed. Your business is how you feel about it every single day. And the lifestyle that it gives you, it's personal because you're building it. You're building it. If someone doesn't buy your service, engage, if someone writes a bad review on my book, that doesn't really have anything to do with who I am. Maybe those people were cleaning out their inbox and they made it a rule that they don't like getting any emails on any subscriptions because it just distracts them from their work. Maybe that's how they organize their inbox. Um, or maybe they have, they're really insecure because they didn't take the plunge last year to do what they wanted to do and they missed an opportunity and they emotionally can't handle watching you step into your power. That's a lot of it. And so whenever I'm on a sales call with Scott's agency, I've had incredible sales calls. I've wanted to work with these women and they go somewhere else. They tell me and they feel terribly. And I say, I have no attachment to who works with me. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to work with me if it's not right for you. It has to be a fuck yes for both of us, in my opinion. So when someone doesn't, it, it's the same thing with the podcast. Like if someone doesn't like us, that's yeah. them. That's not us. And so yeah. the business, your business is personal because it's your life. It's how you spend your days. You need to revere it as, you know, the, one of the most important things because you spend most of your attention and time on it. And if someone doesn't buy your product, if someone doesn't like your product, which will happen a million times, that doesn't mean that you are bad at your job. It doesn't mean that what you created is not a gift to this world. It just means for that person, it's not a right fit. Right. It says more about them than it does about you. Yeah, that's a really difficult uh, distinction to, to, to understand in your mind. Because it is hard when you're, when you're putting so much attention and giving so much time to something mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it feels like a personal attack, of course, but um, but nobody does business because someone likes you. <laughs> like someone's not well, going to give you your money just because they like you. I mean, sometimes. What do you mean? Not a lot. You know, okay. the, the average person isn't just going to, you know, who doesn't know you is just going to give you money because whatever. People give money because the products and the source, uh, the products or the services or the content is directly enriching their life personally for where they're at in that time, and so that's not going to be for you're you're not going to be for everybody. We're not for everyone. Yeah. All right. The last uh, little piece of this. We're still on theme one. All right. This is the oh, biggest theme. Oh, my God. What? What we're, is this theme? Still, I thought these were all the themes. No, this is still under. What theme is this? Reframing your relationship to fear and discomfort. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Oh, keep got, going. Yeah, we got a lot of. Th no, okay. Just. Okay. Next. <laughs> well, they got to read the fucking book. I mean. I know. I know. I'm really giving away a lot, but okay, I just, go. I have a lot to say. So, um, another thing, and we, we talk a lot about this on OKSIS in the past is you talk about a dis destination seeking syndrome, which is something that I have self-diagnosed mm. myself as, uh, this means that you are seeking the goal, the destination, the arrival, the thing, 
the 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 thing you think is success and not prioritizing the enjoyment of the journey. Mm-hmm. So I still definitely struggle with this. I think something you wrote really stood out to me. You said you don't want to be Emily Weiss. You want to build Glossier. And sometimes people don't understand that that. And I definitely. You used to be. I you used, used to, be, to just want to be Emily Weiss. I used to be like, look, I think. I think two can coexist. I think I've but wanted to But it's when you both. only prioritize. It's when you prioritize the Emily Weiss versus the building of Glossier exactly. that you get into trouble. Exactly. Because you want the thing and you want the lifestyle and the, the, the recognition. Mm-hmm. You don't want the grit and the hard work yeah, to get there. Yeah, and you can't there. get the recognition unless you love the build. Exactly. So, and it's something also you refer to when you talk about money is like, I love acquiring wealth, but I love earning it more. So, you know, yes, we could fall into wealth or yes, it could come so easily, but it feels so much better Mm -hmm. when you earn it. Yeah. And so I think that's a great uh, thing to remember is that while you're building a business, while you're shaping something, you have to be obsessed with the build. Yeah. I mean, you'll just fall off. Yeah, they won't. It won't happen. You won't. You won't. uh, You won't attend to it. Yeah, you you won't. Yeah. And then it just. Yeah. So uh, that's just a a reminder to everyone. I think a lot of people feel this way. And so if you can reorient your life to be obsessed with the journey. uh, I like to call it the build. Sorry, the build. Because the journey sounds, I don't know. I I like the build. The build build feels like really empowering. Yeah. All right. Theme two. Theme two. (laughs) This is shorter. The per- okay, so to me, this whole book felt like one big permission slip to love yourself and yeah. to champion yourself and other women. The first thing I want to say is you you gave this quote that I, I still would like – I would like you to explain it a little further because I, I was a little unclear. It says – Do not think you are special. You are like all of us. You also have a voice, a point of view, a perspective that we are waiting for you to share. So it's kind of like this. uh, It's my favorite part of the book. It's like a paradox, right? Because you think that each of us having a unique perspective, that means we are special. But why does reminding the reader that they're not special encourage them to step into their personal power? So it's, yeah, it's definitely turning it on its head. So people sit there and say, well, Emily Weiss is special. Sarah Blakely is special. Sophia Moroso is special. They had ideas. They had things. They had resources. They're special, and I'm not special. So it's this idea that people who live their personal power, people who live their dream lives, are the special ones because they have unique stories to tell or they have unique skill sets or they were born into a certain situation, and they're unique, and they think to themselves, I'm not special, when in reality we all have unique perspectives and voices and opinions and ideas and products that we can build, et cetera. So when you say they're special and I'm not special, actually it's quite the opposite. You're not acknowledging that literally every single person has this capability. So if every single person has it and you're not living it out into the world, you're actually thinking the opposite of yourself. Like don't think that you're so special that you get to sit here and play small and not bring your gifts to the world. Like you think, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like uh, when, when people say, what do you say to people who, who are afraid to start? And it's like, you're not that special. Like you have a perspective. Every single one of us does. That's not what makes us special. So does that make sense? Yeah. So as in like you not, you playing small 
is is you thinking that you that that's your destiny and that that's like your calling is like oh yeah I I'm not that that level so I I am going to have to play small where it's like bitch you have a unique perspective too like we all do yeah so you're not special because you're like us and every one of us has a unique perspective paradoxical it makes you think it makes you think the emotional entrepreneur it makes you think Okay, we're definitely going to get called for noise complaints (laughs) during this trip, for sure. All right, another large lesson that Mm -hmm. I love that you say, and this is something that you've also mentioned on OKSIS in the past. You say, in today's society, we are marketed to love ourselves, but no one tells us what to do when that actually comes true. So you have experienced this where you've come into a place of complete and utter self-love and... That is the dream, right? Every fucking millennial Instagram feed is saying, love yourself, love yourself. We're all in the fucking pursuit. But no one encourages the exclamation and the expression of the actual self-love when you arrive there. Because the reason we don't is because of the fear of coming off narcissistic, of the fear of, of coming off arrogant. And why can't we get past that? And what needs to change in our society to really encourage people to feel comfortable to express self-love when they've arrived there. Because, you know, I I felt this. I mean, when I started working on Camber and I, you know, expressed everyone that I felt inner pride for the first time, like that could have maybe come off as ego or maybe come off as a little narcissistic that I was so proud of myself. But that's the whole fucking point. We're all it, we're all trying to be proud of ourselves and then we can't say it. Like, why can we only say we're in per- when we're in pursuit of it, but we can't say it when it happens? And I also want to bring up. Uh, I mean, I I think we brought up Jason Mary Smith like five times on this episode, but she did le- the other week post this story of her crying. She also posted on TikTok. She said, oh, for the past three years, I have been so lost. I've been in a creative rut. Today, I fucking love myself. I feel like myself. I am so happy. And it it didn't. It, there was no one shred of ego and narcissism in there. You felt complete. And I was so happy she shared that. And I and I responded to her and I said girl me too like holy shit I feel so happy and powerful and alive and 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 love with who I am at this exact moment and I'm so happy that you you know had the courage which is it shouldn't be you had the courage to say this but so you you've talked a lot about this and so kind of talk to us about how do you one how do you express self-love without uh the fear of judgment um, and then how do you say it in a way that just maybe doesn't come off so narcissistic? Loving myself, I think, has been more of a private expression. I know that I say it on the podcast a lot, et cetera. And so in launching this book this week, I'm doing a lot where I am showing up to the nth degree. I am buying beautiful dresses. I am putting myself on fucking reels. I'm on all these podcasts. Like, sisters, I'm going to be posting about this for the next two weeks. And I thought to myself literally the other day, I said, is this too much? Like, am I being too much? Am I being too full of myself, et cetera? And I said, okay, well, what's what's the alternative here? I don't do this and I don't have the time in my life and I don't make my dreams come true and I don't get excited by this and I just let this moment pass by. And so, you know, when we are afraid to boldly explain that we love ourselves, 
we're afraid that others will judge us and outcast us from the group for being too much, for being narcissistic, for being arrogant. And usually if you're coming from a place where you really love yourself, that energy for the most part will inspire and touch others. The ones that it triggers is really illuminating where they have to work on themselves. And it's okay to trigger people in that sense. They might blame it on you. Eventually they'll figure out that it's something they have to work on. So if you're triggering people because you're standing in your power in a very beautiful healthy way it's really a gift to them they might not see it in in that moment but eventually they will hopefully god willing they do and so you know it's something i struggle with because i i i don't want to be anybody else i i i really just love being me and i'm so incredibly grateful that god gave me what God has given me the shitty stuff too. When I say I love myself, I love all the shitty stuff. I love all the shadows. I love every mistake I've ever made. I love every terrible thought I've ever had in my mind. I've had every, I love every depressive episode. I love literally all of it because all of it brought me here. And sometimes we think we can only love ourselves when life goes right. I made a contract with myself that I will love myself when life goes wrong too because we ask for unconditional love from our partners, from our sisters, from our family, from our friends, yet we don't provide the same unconditional love for ourselves. So loving yourself doesn't just mean I love me today and I'm proud of me today and I feel good today. Loving yourself means I'm insecure and this went wrong and I still love my life. Yeah. So it's not just moments of, being so proud and excited because life is so good. You know, I think that's where you get to it first. I think that's where you first taste loving yourself. And then you take it a step further. You can love yourself in moments where you think your life's falling apart. Right. You can love your life in moments where it doesn't feel good. And so for me, I've taken this just complete, foundational, permanent attitude of loving my life no matter what happens. Yeah. And that's that's something we all should be comfortable enough admitting to ourselves and then also sharing with others. I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then so going with this theme of self-love, you also talk about champion, uh, championing, ch- whoa, championing, championing other women. Something you're getting so good at. I'm getting good at it, baby. So... Again, we talk about this a lot on OK Sis. The comparison trap that is uh, social media and the world that we're living in. And it's very, very easy to fall into that if you don't have uh, foundational, strong, you know, self-love and self-worth beliefs. Uh, but you kind of bring up this this point that I think uh, because the world of business, at least in the world of entrepreneurship, has been so male-dominated, we think that when a women a woman succeeds within that world that it means that we can't because there historically has only been one seat at the table at the top right and so as women we have this limiting belief that oh shit she got the seat let me let me you know stop and uh not pursue my dreams whereas that's completely not true and you say a woman having something we want does not mean she took the last bite of ice cream. It means she opened the jar for all of us. And we've seen this a lot in the podcasting world. I mean, and it's amazing because actually succeeding 
in podcasting means you have to hype other people up, mm-hmm. right? Pod swaps are the biggest metric of growth mm-hmm. when you're starting out as a podcast or when you have a podcast. You're tapping into other people's audiences. You're kind of sharing each other's audiences, lifting each other up, bringing in. Not One person doesn't just listen to one podcast and is part of one community. We can all be part and share together. So it's not about limiting one another. It is really about this lifting of each other up and championing. That uh, I thought it was really beautiful that you said. And, and uh, something else about the mindful viewing of your Instagram feed. I think this is something I, I'm falling into. I've, I've fallen into a lot, obviously. But I, for the first time the other day, because of your book, I just, I challenged myself to view it differently. So on TikTok, as I am on there all the time, this one girl had this great day. She had a great day. She went to Nobu in Malibu. She went to the Soho house in Malibu. She was driving a nice car. She was with her friends. She looked so cute. She had a cute little outfit on. And I think in a couple months ago, I would have been really jealous or I would have been like, well, fuck, does she deserve that? Why can't I have that? I really want to go to the Soho House in Malibu. If anyone has a thing, I will come with you. And I turned it on its head and I was like, wow, that's so cool for her. That's awesome that she Mm -hmm. did that. Like, that's so amazing. And she she probably had the best time of her life. That's an amazing time. Yeah, you texted me and you were like, I'm so freaking happy for this girl, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I just want to say that when you see stuff like that, if you do have a problem comparing, like, we don't know if she had a good day. Exactly. So We don't know yeah. if all of that actually led to inner peace and fulfillment and happiness, et cetera. But the fact that you texted me and you were so happy for her, you're like, this isn't sarcastic. I'm so giddy and happy that she had this beautiful day. It... It literally made my night. I know. It's I think if we and even if you don't believe it in the moment, just say just it to yourself. Say it to yourself. I mean, that's how you change your core beliefs is right. you just say it to yourself over and over. And you'll start to believe it. The only reason we believe what we believe is because we've said Repetition. it to ourselves over and over and over again. It's fucking rep- it's habit. It's habit forming. So yeah. just it doesn't matter if you don't believe it. Just fucking say it. Just be like, oh, I'm so happy for this girl. I wish her nothing but the best. She deserves yeah. this. That's it. Move mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And it makes you feel better, and it makes her feel better, and you're bringing out more positive energy, and you're probably going to get that sooner, yep. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. We're on to theme three, the last and final theme of the book, The entre- Emotional Entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> this theme is called... Claiming emotional independence and being safe in your emotions. Something you talk a lot about is using anxiety as a tool. You you uh, label it as a magical compass. It is something to be listened to, something to be grateful for, something to give thanks to, and uh, use, right? I think a lot of us, when anxiety comes, crippling doubt, uh, thoughts like this, we want to push it away or we want it to go away. We don't understand that it's actually there to help us and to guide us. So once you feel safe in those anxieties and discomfort, you can then navigate and use them as, as like little tour guides. Like it's like, Hey, and I love what you said. It's like they, Anxiety taps you on the shoulder and says, like, hey, this is the wrong way, right? And so you, it's up to you to listen to that and course correct when, when possible. So I think in today's world, we're so quick to say, oh, I just have anxiety. I just got anxiety. Like, it's just like the sun's rising. I have anxiety. But 
if you really get underneath that, sure, some of us are more chemically prone to anxiety. Sure, some of us have more severity with our anxiety that we might need medication to help monitor to figure out why it's there in the first place. But if you really go underneath and don't allow yourself to just say, I have anxiety, I would tell my coach, I have anxiety. And she says, why? Why? And she would keep asking me until I got to something, anything that I felt like could get bring me anxiety right now. And so for me, anxiety does two things. One, it tells you when you're not on a path of alignment. So you can be really anxious because you're not pursuing your dream career. You could be anxious because you're not in a dream relationship. Any part of your life is out of alignment. You will be anxious. And then the other thing that anxiety does, well, one, you can also use it to listen to your gut. So like if you're going to make a business deal and anxiety comes up and it's not a good anxiety, then that means that maybe that's not in your best interest. It will always tell you where you're supposed to be aligned. And then the other thing anxiety does, which is really, really important to know and really understand and really become very comfortable with your anxiety and very uh, familiar with it, is that it will arise when you're exiting your comfort zone. And so that anxiety is not telling you to not keep going. It's warning you that you are exiting the known and going into the unknown where uncertainty lies. So it's trying to keep you safe in that moment, the same way that a parent keeps you safe by saying, please don't go to the party. I want to keep you safe. So in that sense, it's being the most loving, loving teacher ever and saying, hey, you're exiting a place that we don't know where you're going. And so warning, we're going to flare up just to let you know that you're doing something that's beyond your comfort zone. In those moments, it is important to not listen to anxiety. It is important to go out of your comfort zone. And in those moments, I thank it for arriving and I say, wow, you really care about me and you really love me and you can tell that I'm growing right now and it's making you uncomfortable and you're just giving me a heads up that the road forward is not going to feel the most comfortable because I've never been here before. Thank you for letting me know. And I'm going to go move forward regardless. Yeah, that is such a admirable way to approach anxiety. And if you can just, and I think it's so much easier said than done. I think in the moment that anxiety washes over you it's really tricky to think in that way Mm -hmm. but again as we just mentioned this habit forming this like just reminder recognizing that this is happening awareness and then uh, the reminder like oh I remember when when Scout told me that I could I have the choice to approach it this way which also ties into I think probably my most foundational thesis most important message there is which you said is that you are safe in your emotions. Mm -hmm. So when you're anxious, you're usually suffering because you're anxious about the anxiety. You have the anxiety about the anxiety, and you get into- Oh, it compounds. Compound interest. It compounds. But once you feel a a hint of discomfort, pain, anxiety, depression, sadness, grief, anger, et cetera, that you would prefer not to feel, you know, just remind yourself that you're safe, and there's no reason to be depressed about the depression, sad about the sadness, anxious about the anxiety, but really coming home to this idea that- you have survived every emotion that you have ever experienced thus far. And I know that to be true because you're literally sitting here listening to this right now. And so that means that you are you are so capable of surviving your emotions. And so for me, with my mental illness all these years, it was so difficult for me to move through because I was so afraid of my emotions. They destroyed my life time and time again because I allowed them to in many ways. And so once I reframe my core belief to that I am safe in this experience, I can experience depression and anxiety and sadness and overwhelming grief and still survive. I actually now, when I have a heavy emotion coming, it's like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. 
I think it's also because you have had so much practice with it, too. A hundred percent. What I am saying right now is not because I woke up and wrote this. Yeah. What I am saying is years and years and years of extreme emotional paralysis, of extreme suffering, of extreme depression that uh, for my life, so I could get to this point where I am successful, I had to do these. The, The lessons in these books was my survival depended on it yeah so in that i think that's a beautiful thing you know use me as an example abuse my whole life to come up with these wisdoms and help it you know that you you know learn from them but Mm. it's i i'm here because of years yeah of delving into this for sure so something also you talk about and we love to discuss is manifestation there are is something that you say that really um, it was in your money chapter, which is a really, really important chapter. It's something I am dealing with right now. Money mindfulness, understanding my relationship to money. What does it mean to me? How do I want to work with it? How do I want to use it? Uh, things of that nature. And you say i'd like to remind myself and others that within manifestation work comes the responsibility to co-create with the universe if you don't show up the results will be lost however once you surrender to abundance the universe will start throwing synchronicities at you that will open the possibility to money miracles so this is really interesting to me and something that i've also uh experienced firsthand is when i heard about manifestation I thought it was just like, oh, yeah, you're putting it out into the universe and then you just like sit around and wait for it to happen. That is not the case at all. And especially with Lacey Phillips's to be magnetic work, it is very much action oriented. There needs to be some sort of action to to get your man. Like you're just you can't just sit around and then have things come to you. Of course not. So and that's kind of a rude awakening because sometimes people don't want to put in the work. And it's like, no, you still got to do the work. You have to, uh, want, to the, you have to want, want the bills. Right. So, but something on the flip side of that is like, yes, you're going to be working into intentional action. But there is a surrendering that happens. And yeah. you have to surrender and accept abundance and believe in that. And then what happens is the universe does start throwing what Lacey calls tests in your way that throw you off course that make you fall back into your small ways into your comfortable ways and you have to have the courage and the self-worth and deservingness to know that you have to move past that test to show the universe that you deserve what your ultimate manifestation and goal is so for instance I'll give uh, an example that happened in my life recently I was wanting to work on Camber full time. That has been in my manifestation journal for a year and a half. It has been something I'm working towards, something that I wanted so, so badly. And I was actually looking for another job uh, just because we didn't know when I was going to be able to work on full time. We didn't know when, when we were going to raise money. Uh, it was kind of up in the air. And I was I was looking for an, a new opportunity to work at while I pursued Camber on, on the side as well. And something came in my way. I got a job offer that sisters, you would probably freak out if I told you what it was. It was, and I think in any other time in my life, I would have been so excited Mm -hmm. to take this job. 
um, uh, it was this like really shiny thing that the universe just dangled in my face and said, ha ha, you're going to, you're going to take a bite. You're going to, you're going to bite here. And what would have happened if I had taken that job is, uh, I would have had no time to work on Camber. Uh, Camber would have probably been put on hold and who knows if we would have ever like continued the momentum as much as we, as much as we have. So that test was put in front of me and my co-founder and it was the fire under our ass that we needed to get to step out of fear raise the money that we needed to so that I could work on it full time Mm -hmm. and that happened so that is very quickly after you said no to that job right so it's it's just letting you guys know that These tests and these things might look very similar Mm -hmm. to what you want, right? Mm -hmm. And this job that I had gotten was very similar to something that I wanted my whole life. So, and then I and then I remember, no, 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 the goal, the manifestation, the ultimate high right now is working on camera full time. So I just want to point that out that manifestation, it works with you, uh, and and you you have to be co-creating as as you say in this quote and you have to be having intentional action and then the confidence in yourself but you also need for me I've always been good at the action part always and so I have to learn to leave room for God to do God's thing I have to leave room for magic to come into play I have to leave room for the universe to actually give me the opportunities if I'm too busy acting 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 doing 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 and don't pause I don't actually give room for things to come into my life. And so, for example, with this book launch, I did so much the last few months. I did everything. And then the last two weeks before launch, you know, I said to my mastermind, I said, I've done the work. It's God's turn. It's the universe's turn to show me what I'm about to receive. And so that's what the co-creation is. It's putting in the work, but also not thinking that you have to do everything and also understanding that there is other forces at play that can provide you with so much more magic than you can ever create yourself yeah. if you sit back trust and also trust. give space for things to come in trust for sure yeah and it's a muscle it's something you have to practice at again it's something that you it's it's this like insane trust that you have to have with yourself and the and the universe and the world um and it and when you do cultivate that trust mm-hmm. and stick to it, it does reward you. Oh yeah, honestly, oh, honestly. Yeah. All right, the last tenant of the last theme of the emotional logic. Oh, my favorite point of the whole book: save the best for last. So, I make fun of you a lot, and uh, uh, get mad at you a lot for subscribing to hustle culture. Mm-hmm. And because it, to me, fuels a sense of aggression and burnout, and I don't, I don't relate to it. So I, therefore, take it out on you and don't like that you like it. So what you do distinguish, though, that I really loved was that you take, you pick and choose what you want. From Mm -hmm. the doctrine of hustle culture, Mm -hmm. all right? You take the drive and the hunger Mm -hmm. that hustle culture preaches. The obsessive drive and hunger. The obsessive compulsive disorder. No, 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 just just obsessive. Oh, sorry. The obsession. And 
But you don't believe the notion that rest is the thing that must be compromised to be a successful entrepreneur. So in long-term situations, yes. In long-term situations. So to me, that's also something that I, I, uh, not liked about hustle culture that I don't feel is, uh, an appropriate and right approach to life. I, I think it does preach that. And so I, I'm really happy that you made that distinction that you said, Hey, I am going to pick and choose what works for me. And something that I believe is very inherently wrong with this doctrine is that you're supposed to compromise your rest mm-hmm. and your restoration. And there's something very important in that. I don't know if it's in that exact chapter, but they have a whole chapter about resting every day. And often is that when you hustle, like the I can hustle. I, I'm a machine. I'm a generator. I am. Mach- I know I'm very um, calm, energy, etc. And people think I'm like this chill person. Put no. me in front of a fucking computer and don't you fucking talk she to me. She makes this like weird face. I get it's, like, really intense. It looks like a constipation face <laughs> and it's like. Don't talk to me. I get I get pissed. I get pissed when people try to disrupt my work because um, my work is really a lot to me. It's it's mm. a lot to me. Um, but Yeah, you made that clear. Yeah, but the thing about it is that people aren't taking their rest seriously and so we're confusing rest with scrolling laziness. on uh, yeah right. with laziness or scrolling on Instagram or just binging some stupid TV show and you're you're texting while you're watching the TV show and then you got a podcast and while you're watching there's just all this shit going on people think that if you're not working you're in the resting time and that's just not true and right. so people actually burn out not because they work too much but because they're not resting in a nourishing true way so for me, resting means really getting purposeful sleep, putting my phone away in the morning and the night, spending time to myself, grounding outside with, you know, barefoot on the ground, meditating. Oh, yeah. A big a big motif of this book. Let's get outside barefoot. Put the put your feet in the dirt. Without your phone. Without your phone. Yeah, that literally is a, your I, life's problems will be I solved. I wish. Actually, this should be a contest. Take a shot every time Scout says, in put your bag. feet in the earth. And turn off your phone. Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. You know, I can work a 10-hour day and yet not wake up burnt out because when I'm not working, I'm not working. I'm, And I'm not numbing out either, right? I'm not drinking. I'm not scrolling mindlessly. I'm cooking a meal. I'm taking my dog for a walk around the neighborhood. I'm making tea and sitting outside. I'm reading a book. I'm meditating. I think that sometimes we think life is so overstimulating and so exhausting because we actually don't hold our rest time as sacred. Yeah, it's def it's true. Uh, there's definitely instant gratification. There's there's uh, ah sorry. Um, oh Jesus, <laughs> her iPod. God damn it, her iPod fell, sisters. Okay, you keep I going. I'm a, I oh prom- my I'm god! I'm Why do you need this like this? What? Why don't you just hold the fucking thing? I, pro- I promise I'm an A plus student. I promise. Oh, okay. okay. Um, so that's a different narrative <laughs> that's coming out. That's a deep narrative in her mind. Okay, keep going. Look at my notes. They're so dirty. Oh jeez. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, yes, there's definitely a pull towards instant gratification. It's it's so 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 uh attractive to pick up your phone and there's but it's there's not even an instant grat- gratification mm-hmm. you know well, for n- me numbing is. is an escapism tool even yeah. if you don't realize that it is when you sit and binge mindlessly you're asking to temporarily remove yourself from your reality and that actually causes your mind to get more fried and burnt out and i, I believe 
quicker than working a 10-hour day at a job you love. Right. So honestly, something that you had mentioned that I really loved was that it's about the intentional, purposeful work that you do, not the number of hours. It's quality yeah. over quantity. And so... Yeah, yeah. You know, someone... I fucking hate hourly work because yeah, I tell I my team this all the time. It's so stupid because I can work a five-hour day and and that could be someone's 10-hour day because this person's over here and then they check the Instagram and then they take a call and then they're looking here. So, like, yeah. when I'm working, I'm working so that when I'm done, I can I can do the other things. We are slaves to the nine to five. I don't. It's it's not a good. It's really sad that this has been. It's not the way humans function. It's not the way that we're supposed to be. It's not the way some humans function. Uh, Yes. But what I'm saying is I think I think it is inherently not the way humans function. I mean, we're wasting a lot of time. Probably Exactly. So if we were to allow work to look like. When you're to work with your energy levels, to work with your which I talk about emotions, like yes, it's it would be so much more productive and probably you can probably get your work done in five hours a day if you engage in nourishing rest and focus during those five hours. I I mean I'm gonna say something really controversial. Like people that are doing a nine to five, you're not working nine to five. No, of course not. (laughs) You're not working right now. I hope my my team listening to this is probably nodding their head. I mean, you're not. You're not. The problem is the problem is is that people have to be on call from nine to five right. because business you're is just happening. Yeah, you have to be checked in from nine to five because stuff happens and and that's like the way so. of the world. But yeah, no, you know. But you know, seasons of life, right? At the end right. of 2020, I probably worked four to four hours, four to five hours a day, and that's it. And b- b- launching this book, I easily had 10-hour days constantly. So it just yeah, depends it on depends. what you're what you're doing. Something also I want to b- I bring up, and this is an uh, anecdote from my life from the last week. One day I worked, yeah, 10 hours. And it felt uh, very scattered. It didn't feel intentional. I think I was multitasking, doing so many things at once, and kind of just going, 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 going. And it just, I thought it was productive because it was 10 hours, right? I was like, oh, my God. It was 10 hours. Therefore, it was productive. And it was like, no, I probably, yes, I got shit done, but it was a little, it was scattered, right? And it didn't feel, like, my mind didn't feel powerful at the end of the day. It felt completely uh, exhausted. So then the next day, I worked five hours, and it was, I instigated the Pomodoro method that I have mentioned to you guys before. I wish I could do it more often. I, I, I need to do it more often because I felt, on top of the motherfucking world like Mm -hmm. my phone was away 20 minutes 25 minutes on five minutes off of no phone time so that's the pomodoro method if you're not aware you do 25 minutes of deep work and then five minutes you take to make tea stretch walk around go to the bathroom you do something for five minutes you go back 25 minutes and then i think every four then you could take like a 30 minute break so and i did that and i busted out one thing that i kept like you know, procrastinating mm-hmm. on, and I busted it out easily in like a couple hours. And it was just, it was, it felt so great because I probably would have done other shit or not been as uh, mindful about yeah. it. And mm-hmm. I just felt, I, I was like, this is so amazing. And, and kind of what you say in the book about, about being an entrepreneur, you have to keep remembering the biggest law of it is that you could do what you want. Like you can literally craft and do whatever the fuck you want. Like you can unlearn all of the corporate bullshit that you learned about what work is and what it should look like. You can 
unlearn that yeah, and do something I, different. I know someone who quit her corporate job and then she felt terrible about um, reading at the park from 8 to 10 in the morning. And I said, this is literally the, the reason you quit your yeah, corporate job. Like I said, go to the fucking park, dude. It's But it, we have to remind go ourselves. Go to the fucking park, You have dude. to remind ourselves. I have a whole chapter on creating your own environment. So That is a great way to conclude. Go to the fucking park, well, dude. Oh, okay. Well, can I say something? Because oh. I, I haven't said much. Like, I haven't said anything about how what? I feel about, like, about launching the book. I want to oh. say something. I was like, you haven't said much? <laughs> I mean, I've just... I've like responded know, you, to so your outline. Yeah, did you like? Which, which did you? Yes, it was very thorough. It was very thorough, and um, I, I I really appreciate it. It is it's weird to hear you quote my book. It's weird. You're the first person that has um Analyzed reported it. back. Been, been a data analyst, not just a data analyst, but has implemented some of the lessons in real yes. time, and so that's a really really insane thing for me to to hear. Um, you know, I. Give it away. I, I give the floor to you, Scout. Yeah. I'm really trying hard right now. I feel very, very out of my element, which naked. is... Naked. A little I feel, naked. I feel really naked, Your sisters. areolas are perking up. Yeah, they're all, those are always out. Um, <laughs> sisters, I, I just want to say that, you know, also to Mads, the last three years of my entrepreneurial career has been the greatest. It started with getting on this mic at OKSIS podcast. It started with meeting the women that we've met, the people we've interviewed, the community we've cultivated, which led me to Scouts Agency. Entrepreneurship forced me to really get my healing game A+, um, which Mads knows has been a long, long journey for myself. And so it's it's surreal because I've identified for so long as the girl who can't handle her emotions and the girl whose emotions ruins her life and the girl who's too emotional and living in this clinical world of what my mental illness is and does to me. And with this book, it just feels, it feels like I'm shedding all of that. And it feels as if this new version of me is here. It's the version that I was born here to be. And I know that I had to go through a lot of suffering to get to this point. And this whole week means a lot for me because I did it, you know, when your friends and family don't even know if you can function and then you discover that you want to live not just a, a, a functioning life, but one that's so crazy and magical, and then you do it. Um, there's a lot of pride in that. Um, there's a lot of identity shifting. And so, sisters, I know you have been along for the ride for part of this, um, and I just want the sisterhood to know that the minute OKSIS was born, I think, was the minute that my healing really took off in many ways. And so a lot of that is thanks to you. Most of that, not most of that, most of it's thanks to me. But a lot of that is thanks to you. I mean, the healing, like the stuff I did. But the prompting and the inspiration is like you got on this mic. So, sisters, mm -hmm. if you have gotten any value from anything I have ever fucking said which there are hours of it on the fucking podcast app, it, it, I would be so honored if you bought my book. I, it would just mean a lot to me. So if you do, 
Um, and it'll mean a lot to the the reader, like to you. Yeah. You are going to this book not only would signal to Scout that you love her and that you respect <laughs> her and 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 are you know uh, want to support her. But it is an investment in yourself. Like there mm-hmm. is so much beauty and wisdom. And again, these permission slips that Scout mm-hmm. gives you that is just uh, it's really, really it, it'll change a lot of the way that you think. Yeah, there's this quote that said a fool learns from his mistakes. A wise person learns from others mistakes. And so if anything, please take my pain and suffering Please take what I've been through and use it to better your own life. It would mean so much to me, and I know that it would mean a lot to you, I hope, if the books resonate. so. And if you do buy a book, please come to the live stream of the party. Um, yeah. The instructions in the beginning, we'll put it in the show notes. So thank you, Mads. Um, thank you, Scout. I'm so proud <laughs> of you. You wrote a book. Thank you. Okay, wait. We're going we're gonna to conclude. Ready? One, two, three. I did it my way. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sisters, follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel for all the book launch stuff. Follow Mads at Maddie Mayo. She's stealing my filter I just put up on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Follow us on OKSIS Podcast. You will see us partying with a lot of past OKSIS guests tonight. And we fucking love you. Love you. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.